All aboard, we are about to set sail on a luxurious cruise across the entire Pacific. I hope we don't hit any icebergs along the way because I don't know if I could let go or if I'd ever want to because my heart will go on. Titanic will founder. But this ship can't sink. She's made of iron, sir. I assure you, she can. And she will. Hey, movie lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Does It Hold Up podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And today we are going back to December 19th, 1997 to talk about that big old ship that was host to a fake love story between two people who just met before tragedy happened. That's right, we're talking about James Cameron's Titanic. Oh boy. Ah, <laughs> this was a big undertaking. Yeah. Three hours, 15 minutes to watch this entire movie with credits. Watch the credits, guys. Pay respect to the people who made the movie that you just watched. Pick out some random person and be like, hey, rope wrangler number four, I see you. Good job. Good job. You did it. I didn't see any ropes. So you oh, did. there was... There was tons of ropes. Listen, I didn't see any stray ropes. Yes. So they were ropes job. where they needed to be, and they were all perfect. Yes. Good job, Rope Wrangler. There is no Rope Wrangler. What are we talking about? Let's talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the first time you ever saw this movie? Honestly, no. I d- I d- <laughs> this is Okay, this is three weeks in a row now that you have said you do not remember the first time you said These movies just exist yes. always in your world. Yes. Okay. As soon as I've seen it, I've always seen it. It it, it just is part of me now, okay? At this point, James Cameron would want you coming out of the womb watching his movie. So it makes perfect <laughs> sense that it just always has existed. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I could not tell you what my first thoughts were of this movie. I could not tell you where I was, what I was doing, how old I was, if I saw it on VHS or DVD. I honestly have no idea. But... But you have seen it. I've seen it before many times. Oh, quite a few times before this podcast. This is my like cathartic. I really need to cry movie. Oof. So when I, I, I really need to just purge some emotions. I uh, put on the last like hour and a half of this movie. No. Um. <laughs> all right. So I do remember when I saw this movie. I was in fifth grade. Which made me 10 11. 10, 11, yeah. Well, I was turning 11 that year when I saw this movie. How I bought a ticket to this movie? Who bought this ticket to my mo- ticket to the movie for me? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know if it was my mom, my sisters, my friends' parents. I don't know. I just know like three of my buddies and I, we went and saw this movie in theaters. But like in March 98 or April 98 because... This movie played for like nine months, so you could just go see it at any time. But we like it was all this hype, and we were like, "Oh my god, people won't shut up about this movie. We have to go see it." And then somebody else was like, "Ah, oh, do you know you can see some titties in this movie?" And we're and like eleven-year-old boys. Of course, we want to go see that. Of course. But then I remember thinking, "Meh." <laughs> I'm more interested in like watch the boat explode. I know it doesn't explode, but you know, like in my head, it was like this big epic thing of, yeah. "Oh my god, the boat." And that was more important to me. Let's see more people flipping off things. Yeah, like that was so cool. Or like, <laughs> you know, when the boat comes back at the end and like that was sad and just 
the movie was like good i just didn't understand the hype because i wasn't like i loved movies and i loved watching them i just didn't understand movies at that time honestly do you think your view of this movie could have been soured because of how young you were watching it like it's not necessarily material that a five five, sorry five a 10 or 11 year old would probably really understand yeah a little bit because i did have a different thought about this movie when i watched it again as i got older Mm -hmm. it was like oh i missed this or oh that joke went way over my head and i couldn't really understand i got the premise of it where it was like boy meets girl they fall in love within 12 hours and then they die well he dies okay i get it I just don't think I understood the magnitude of what that all meant. Like the fact that she was already engaged to somebody Mm -hmm. or the part where she's poor. Like a lot of stuff just went over my head that I caught later on. And I was like, oh, maybe this story's better than I thought. Or maybe it's not. Let's find (laughs) out. Uh, But first thing I want to find out. Mm -hmm. What did Roger Ebert have to say about this movie? So Roger Ebert actually gave it four stars. Uh, his quote ended up being, well, the quote that I grabbed from it was James Cameron's 194 minute, $200 million film of the tragic voyage is in the tradition of the great Hollywood epics. It is flawlessly crafted, intelligently constructed, strongly acted and spellbinding. He loved this movie. He's wrong on a few points and I can't (laughs) wait to get into that, Mm -hmm. but okay. So that's good. I guess that was, like, kind of the consensus back then. That's why this movie did so well. Yeah. But it has been 25 years? 26? 26 years come this December? So Mm -hmm. just over 25 years. Yeah. What are critics saying now? So the Rotten Tomato critic score has it at uh, 88% on only 241 views. That's kind of low. Or reviews, sorry. (laughs) It's kind of low for the reviews, like... I was thinking at least a thousand people have reviewed this movie. Well, a lot of audience has <laughs> reviewed this movie. And what um, they say? They, over 250,000 reviews has the audience at a 69%. <sighs> yeah, it takes quite the dip with the audience. Now, here's the thing with Rotten Tomatoes, though. Add 5% to that. Mm-hmm. Because you know... Not every single person on there is like a true reviewer. And there's people who are going to go on there and be like, this movie had too much hype and it didn't live up to it. And I hate that everybody loves it. So I'm going to give it a one to be different. Yeah. That's great. Good for you. Don't do that. No. Rate a movie based on the movie, not all the stuff surrounding a movie. All right. It's real talk. Don't do that. So I'm going to add like a couple percentage to that. So it puts it in the 70s, low 70s, most likely. Yeah. I'm really interested to see like why there's a so, so much lower. I, I oh, we're would find out when we yeah. get through it, huh? We're I the guess. audience. That's our score. That's fair. I don't even know if I'd give it a 69 if I was voting, but we'll see. We'll find out. All right. Well, let's see. So box office guys, this is going to be super quick. This movie's one of the highest rank, highest grossing movies of all time. It's like number four on the list uh, for international and worldwide stuff. Let's go into it. Domestically, this movie made $659,363,944 in 1997. Now, mm-hmm. 
I believe this is including every re-release that it's had because it's had a few re-releases. In fact, we're doing this podcast because it's about to get re-released again. But it did have yep. a 3D re-release in like 2007 for like the 10 year anniversary. So that's including all this money. So it didn't make that much originally. Internationally, it has made 1.5 billion, slightly over 1.5 billion. And altogether, it's made $2,207,986,545. Insane. Yeah. That's so much money. And to know most of that came in the 90s and that's not adjusted for inflation is ridiculous. But the number adjusted for inflation, just the domestic, because I can't find international adjustments because their inflation rate changes all the time, is one billion two hundred and forty eight million seven hundred and seventy two thousand three hundred and seventy dollars normally this is where i would tell you where it would rank this year but with that number it's number one whatever year it comes out it's pretty sorry, much yeah it's, it's number one <laughs> there's like maybe like gone Endgame. with the wind could challenge it but no no even endgame didn't make that much endgame ended up making like 850 million domestically only and that's only a three-year four-year-old movie so adjusted for inflation it's not that much more uh that's just crazy it's so much money so much money it makes sense when you were saying it was playing for like nine months yeah it wouldn't stop this movie came out on home video while it was still in theaters the week it came out the tuesday that this movie was available to rent or purchase or whatever the first thing was that it did on home video Mm-hmm. 450 theaters in the United States were still playing the movie. Dang. There are movies that get released now that don't play in 450 theaters. Yeah. What? This movie's insane. <laughs> the stuff that you can go into about this movie and its box office and everything is just nuts. One thing I want to touch upon, though, because mm-hmm. Ebert brought it up and we just did money stuff and I love money stuff. Ebert said this, that the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The money it took to make. Oh. Budget. Yeah. Jesus, couldn't think of that word to save my life for a second there. Mm -hmm. The budget for this movie was estimated to be about $200 million. I, probably a little bit more based on the stories that you hear of they kept running out of money and having to get more and more and more. Yeah. But James Cameron originally pitched this as an $80 million movie. (laughs) That's how he got a green light. He was like, I can make this movie for $80 million. (laughs) And the studio was like, <laughs> we don't think you can, but <laughs> please try. Go ahead. And then he just blew that budget out of the water. What's insane, though, in 1997, this movie was made for $200 million plus dollars. Mm-hmm. In adjusted for inflation money, the Titanic would have only cost $150 million to build. This movie cost more to make than it cost to build the real Titanic. Yep. What? Yeah. When I read that statistic, I was like, crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like how? This is supposed to be like the... Premier luxury liner of its time. Like the biggest ship ever made. Mm -hmm. And then this movie was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Hold my beer. Um, all right, let's get into the movie. That's mm-hmm. just some fun stuff up front. Let's get into it. 
This movie has one of the longest prologues I've probably ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. 30 minutes of, we're exploring the Titanic. Okay. Yeah, we don't get to the actual Titanic until like halfway through. <laughs> halfway, halfway through. Half hour yeah. in, yeah. Um, so what do you think of the prologue? Uh, it's actually one of the issues I have with the movie. Okay. Um, I half don't think it was necessary, but I also question, like, it, it's part of my nits, but I'll bring it up now since we're talking about it. Yeah. Of, they probably would never have been allowed to do that. Do what? To, to send ships down there and take stuff out. Absolutely. They, they do it all the time. James I... Cameron James Cameron himself has gone down to the Titanic 12 times to explore in a sub. But to take stuff out? Oh, yeah. People take stuff out all the time. There are artifacts in museums around the world from the Titanic, from mm. people excavating them. Mm. There, are, there are gold diggers who will go and, like, steal stuff. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that gets taken out, they're paid for. And these guys... They were getting paid. They were being told to go try to see what they could retrieve. It being the heart of the ocean necklace or whatever the hell it's called. Heart of, yeah. Heart of the ocean? Heart of the ocean. Yeah. Okay. So that was, they were being paid by somebody to go do this. It was not like thievery, but they've done it. They, we can go see stuff that was sunk with the Titanic. People have gone down and found wallets, portfolios, that luggage. terrible. Let them rest. It's not so much to let them rest. They, We want to know what happened. And we needed to find the manifest of all the people who are on the boat. And, you know, We need to learn more so that we understand history. That's kind of what this is. Mm. So, no, they definitely would be allowed to go. People mm. do it all the time. It's weird. Yeah. I kind of want to do it. I'll <laughs> go down to the sub and look at the real Titanic. Um, side note, gosh, another little tangent about James Cameron. He said in interviews, and this is kind of joking, but you never know with this man. He said he only made Titanic because his real goal was that he wanted to visit the actual wreckage of the Titanic. And this was the way that he could do it. He could get paid and have somebody else pay for his voyage down to Titanic. <laughs> he, The movie wasn't his priority. Visiting the wreckage was his priority. The movie came after that. Oh, geez. I love this man. He is... He gives no Fs. He just does whatever he wants. And somehow it works. It makes a bunch of money. Yeah. Uh, I like the prologue. I think it's too long. Uh, Definitely too long. It's just... It's interesting because that's kind of like the real stuff. The footage you're seeing is from James Cameron's trips down to the Titanic. So that's like real footage you're looking at. And I think that's important to the story to understand where that love story was headed. Mm -hmm. Even though we all know the story of Titanic, it's a lot harder when you're actually seeing it. Yeah. So I like the prologue. It does go a little too long. I think it probably could have cut like 10 minutes out. Yeah. Also, like, I'm going to throw a knit out there real quick. They show her drawing, her topless drawing mm -hmm. on TV. Yeah. Unless we were looking at TV from another country who's not as prudish as America is, it's not happening. I was going to say, highly doubt it. Although, if it's a work of art, they might. Nope. Nope. Mm. Look at any news things about, like, uh, David, Statue of David. You're not getting a full glimpse of that. Not going to happen. Yeah, they, they really should have, like, blurred it or something. Yeah. 
to make it TV appropriate. But I also think it really worked, the prologue, because they set these explorers up, these scavengers, as really greedy. Like, nothing else matters except for that necklace, which, you know, that's what you're being paid to do. That's what you got to do. But to have their come about by the end of being more interested in the story than the necklace, mm -hmm. you need this prologue to set that all up. Yeah. So, I actually really enjoyed that. Um, one thing that does bother me about the prologue a lot, super flimsy reason to bring Rose to the boat. She just calls and she's like, did you find this necklace yet? And he's like, get her here. Let's go. She knows stuff. And it's like, people can know things. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. All right. What else? After the prologue, let's get into the story here. Sure. They fall in love. Cool. Let's talk about it. <laughs> talk about it things happen they fall in love done <laughs> like is that is that where how we're going for it's literally how i feel about this movie <laughs> like things happen fall in love boat so what's interesting i never really cared like i cared about the the romance part of the beginning of the movie but it was never like an interesting part to me i was just like this makes no sense it's dumb <laughs> uh but i actually watching it again for this podcast i found myself a lot more interested and intrigued in the romance okay. because I was realizing a lot more things of like why Rose was so infatuated with Jack. Why are you shaking your head? There's no reason for that. There is there is a great reason. Oh my, please tell me. Of course. Please. So Jack is everything that she's looking for, honestly. She's living a world where you cannot be spon spontaneous. You are completely structured. You can't you have to be filtered at all times. You have to be perfect. And here comes someone who is just unashamedly himself, unashamedly, like, real, and just does what he wants and lives life. And that's something that she is interested in. I think she's more interested in the idea of Jack than Jack himself. Okay, so that's a problem in and of itself right there. Like, you just said, she's more interested in, in what Jack can offer than Jack. Well... Honestly, but they were only together for, that? like, three days, so that's... <laughs> that's a huge problem as well. Because yeah. what happens when that ends? What happens when they get to America and she's disowned her whole family and she's running away with Jack and Jack's drawings can't pay the bills? She and becomes what? an actress, apparently. <laughs> I know, but you know what I'm saying? Um, like, it just... She, and I get it. But that's not the point. That's not the point. The point what? is he dies there, so they can't see what's coming forward. So we have to go based on what is in this movie, which is that is why she is infatuated with him at this time. Would you continue to be infatuated? Who knows? He died. But I get that. I get that. But at the end of the day, you can't rely on that. Like she, over this like two day period, because it's like only two days. Yeah, it's like three. I'm pretty sure the Titanic set sail on the 12th and sunk on the 14th. So two days. No, okay. I, have, I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure it's only like two days. Um, but she never once stops to think like, even her mom is like, and then what? She's like, we're just gonna, I mean, she calls Jack out in the middle of dinner and says, well, what do you do for a living? And he's like, oh, I just do whatever I wake up and I don't know what the day is going to bring. And they're like putting this out there for her. And she's just like, ah, I love him so much. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hopeless Stop. romantics. You know and she's movie? also 17. You know what's crazy about this movie? Watching it this time for the podcast, you know what I realized? Hmm. It's James Cameron's version of The Little Mermaid. It's very Little Mermaid-ish. Young teenager falls in love with a guy that she is, you know, completely different from her for all the reasons, for all the wrong reasons, and gives up everything that she already has. Yeah. The only difference is uh, Little Mermaid gets a happy ending and this one doesn't. I mean, she still has a happy ending. Uh, does she, though? She lived an entire life. She hates her entire family. Uh, <laughs> we don't know that. All right. Next is I want to talk <laughs> about Billy Zane as Cal, who is the man Rose is supposed to be marrying until she meets Jack. Mm-hmm. Dude, Billy Zane's the man. I, not just in this movie. He's just such a good actor. And he's underrated and, and people need to res- put some respect on that man's name. He is so good in this movie. Like, you hate him, but you also kind of, like, respect him a little bit. You're like, I kind of, I get it. You're like, you're a dick, but your girl's running around with this third lower class guy and making you look like a fool. Yeah, I'm going to be pissed too. Especially in a time when, you know. That's not supposed to happen? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, like he says, like, I, I, I know it's supposed to be, like, played for he's the villain, but during their breakfast, when he flips the table and he's like, you are my wife, you are going to be my wife and you will act appropriate. You'll act how a wife is supposed to act and you're supposed to, you're going to listen. Dude, it's 1912. That's literally what it was like. You that, are to honor your husband. So I get it. Like she's a female pioneer, but at the same time, he's not wrong either. I'm going to get a lot of hate for that comment, but you have to think of the time period. Yeah. So like, I feel kind of bad for the guy. He's just a rich... I mean, he even cares for her enough that, like, she buys Picasso paintings, and he's like, those are absolutely worthless. But she bought them with his money. Oh, yeah. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for you, Rose. Like, that's a a line of his. He's willing to give her the world. That's just not what she wants. And he just asks that she give it back. Yeah. And she says no. And then everybody's like, he's the villain. And I'm like... Listen, the iceberg is the villain, not <laughs> Billy Zane's cow. All right. The, also, the guy who made, who paid for Titanic yeah. and then got on a shit, like, on a lifeboat, like the first lifeboat when it was supposed to be women and children only. That's the true villain of this movie, okay? Yeah. You know who the real villain of this movie is? Hmm. The two lookouts who were too busy watching Jack and Rose make out to spot the iceberg coming. Those are the villains of this movie. You know what the real villain of this movie is? Yeah. Clear weather. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't even see the iceberg, even if they were looking straight ahead. Well, according to scientific research, had they noticed the iceberg when they should have noticed the iceberg, and nobody knows exactly why they couldn't notice it, but they should have had about 30 minutes to turn, which would have gave them enough time, but they noticed the iceberg too late and pff, dead. I don't know. It's weird. There's been a lot Or just go straight into the iceberg. There's also been research to say that if they would have went head on, they would have been able to survive long enough to be rescued. But 2020. Hindsight's 2020. (laughs) I'm just saying, Billy Zane, and he's such a good actor in this. He's such a good actor. Although I have an issue with this actor simply because it always looks like he's wearing guy liner. And it's just the way his, like, eyes are. Don't. I I love it. Disrespect that man's good looks. I love it. But it's so distracting because I'm like, are you wearing guy like No, that's just the way you look. Oh, okay. I'm I'm here for it. But oh, I'm like, all here for it. It gets me every single time I yeah. see you. 
Uh, he's great. Uh, another person that's really great uh, is Molly, played yes. by the unsinkable Molly. Yes. Or Margaret, I believe, is what her real name is. They all call mm-hmm. her Molly. Played by the ever-wonderful Kathy Bates, who steals every scene she is in. Every single one. I love her subtlety almost and just like yeah i'm new i'm new money i'm going to be like jack's way into this world i'm going to be the one that's relatable to like everyone of i can see where the rich people are coming from but i really am still with the the third class people because she is unashamed of going up to the richest man on the ship and just being like hey aster right because that's like something lower class people do they just say like hey you yeah there's no pretense in the whole movie rich people are like oh hello mr astor hello oh good evening and she's like yo what up (laughs) what you doing (laughs) i love her so much um jumping not jumping really ahead because this isn't my my winner but she actually has the moment that's a runner-up for me of the life uh finds a way award which is like the most iconic line for you Mm -hmm. and it's at the end of the movie when she's in the rescue boat and she's begging the boat people to turn around to go try to rescue more people. And she's just so passionate. And then she's like, those are your men back there. I don't understand you I'm, people. Like, I'm embarrassed for you people, basically. And she's so impassioned and so emotional and gets me every time where I'm just like, Kathy Bates, give her the Oscar. Yeah. Just for that one moment. I'm cool with it. Or every single moment in this oh, movie because yeah. she is pristine. I wrote down three loves. I love, love, love <laughs> Molly. She's my favorite character. Three loves, guys. Three. Three of them. And they're all caps, too. And I love the part, like, <laughs> when they're at dinner and she slips Jack a pencil so that he can write a note. Like, mm-hmm. she's the MVP of this movie. Yeah. Without her, this movie doesn't happen. Oh, this yeah. This whole story just falls apart immediately. She kind of keeps it going. And I absolutely love it. Uh, then, let's, let's go back to towards the beginning because i have have a huge question here Mm. jack wins his titanic ticket in a poker game yeah and him and his friend fabrizio are going to go on titanic to go to america Mm -hmm. two things Mm -hmm. one why does fabrizio want to go to america why not because he 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 wants a a a fresh start he wants the american dream it seems odd i mean it makes sense because like i don't know what he has there would have been nice to have his mom with them before they get on the ship so we kind of understand but my real question is why is jack in europe how did he get there to draw how did he get there he saved up money to draw (laughs) that's that's my entire thought it was like he just is he just (laughs) he just he was born in wisconsin but then like teleported to europe yeah makes as much sense as the movie tells us mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. bothers me unbelievably where i'm just like why is he there he's there to draw he's his poor. his passions have taken him there yet yeah, doesn't mean that you can't go on another ship that's not as expensive as the titanic yeah but how there there are other ways to travel uh, no i mean there wasn't really at that time there are other ways as in other ships like, did he take it? Okay, the only plausible thing I can think of is, like, he took a job on, like, a merchant ship mm-hmm. and then worked that we put that money in his pocket for when he got to Europe. That's what he was surviving on. Now he's out of money and he's got to get back to America. Yeah. 
But my problem is I shouldn't have to fill in the gaps. The I, movie should do it for me. I also don't think it's completely necessary to the plot of a three-hour movie. Yeah, well, Did not need to me. add to that. It is for me. All right. Uh, what else about the beginning of the movie you want to talk about before we start getting into like the nitty-gritty love story part of it all? Was it love at first sight? I said before we get into the love story stuff. That's the beginning of the movie they haven't even met yet. I'm talking about the fire when they kind of just like spot each other. I mean, I'm pretty sure when he sees the boat, he's in love with the boat. <laughs> he's... You know Fabrizio is. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> um, also, beginning of the movie, the guys that he wins the tickets from obviously don't get to get on the ship. And the roommates that they had, like, have one question and then that's it. Only where's Sven. Yeah. They don't care about the other dude. And we never get an answer. Like, they don't get an answer. Not that we see anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then j- jumping forward a little bit, Jack never goes back to his room. We never see him go back to his room. Yeah. And that bothers me. Why? Well, where the hell's Fabrizio? Where are people? Fabrizio's doing his own thing. He's having his own love story. Well, I want to see that one. We get to see a bit of it. Nah. Because it is super cute. All right, it what else? That chick. All right. What else before we get into the love story? Let's just get into the love story. Okay. I'm sure other things will come up and I'll I'll talk about them then. Why is no one ever on the deck of the ship? Every time those two are together, they get to be like pretty much alone. There's like maybe five other people. Was the studio too lazy to pay for extras or did like the real Titanic people stay in the boat as much as possible? I mean, if there's stuff to do in the boat, like problem is I know I've never been on a cruise. I don't think you've ever been on a cruise. We don't know what they do. I will never go on a cruise. Probably because you've seen Titanic. <laughs> no, I just don't want to be in the middle of water. <laughs> um, so basically, either they got lucky or... I don't movie, know. The script movie. called for it. More so, I don't think they wanted to dress and do the hair and everything of that many extras. Yeah, well, they did have a set core of like 150 core extras that they kept using in new scenes over and I mean, over smart. again. So that they could just have their size not have to keep resizing people and all that stuff well that and you'd constantly see the same people if you were on a ship of only like 2000 2200 people i believe is roughly what they say was on the ship Mm. i I don't know i probably could have done more research but meh okay so jack and rose meet when rose tries to jump off the back of the boat yeah (laughs) why she, is she that miserable? I actually wrote this as one of my positives of showing mental health issues can be any age, gender, race, like your financial status. Like it doesn't have to be, oh, poor white, you know, rich girl. Sorry, not not white girl. I mean, she's a white girl too, she is. so it's fine. But poor rich girl moment. It's like, no, things can be problems for people but what's the problem the problem is she's stuck in a life that she can't do what she wants to do she can't say what she wants to say she's literally having her entire life go by without her having any say in it i mean that's 1912 like then stand up and do something about it this is her doing it by trying to take her own life sure that's, that's not, what that she thinks be doing anything about it i mean not gets her out anything. of that yeah i mean that's fair I don't know, it just seems like a really weird thing for them to be together with. Yeah, I mean, it's just showing how far removed she is from this life, how much she yeah. doesn't want to be there. So uh, it makes a little more sense that she goes with the penniless Jack. Yeah. 
Uh, we do get a great moment here, though. Mm-hmm. So she's going to jump, and he takes off his shoes. He takes off his jacket, and he's like, well, I'll just have to jump in after you. And then she falls, and he catches her, and, and, and everybody runs to see what's going on. And Jack is getting in trouble for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not real sure why he's, like, under arrest. You don't? No. <laughs> Did they think he pushed her? No, no. They They thought he was trying to assault her. What? They thought he they was. Is that what they say in the they, movie? They literally. How dare you put your hands on my fiance? Yeah. 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 They think, think he's trying to assault. Means. They only come up to them when they see him on top of her laying down. Yeah, weird. With your shoes off, yeah, your jacket spoke, off. Well, she could have spoke up in uh, yeah, oh, yeah. the first like five seconds oh, instead yes. of letting it get that far. Because yes. when we come to that moment, she's got a blanket on. She's off to the side relaxing. And then she's all of a sudden like, oh, no, don't, don't. Shut up. Well, she's also very spooked. I mean, she almost died. Yeah, whatever. But the great moment we get to is Cal's like, hey, come to dinner with us, blah, blah, blah. Is a thank you for saving her life. And his, like, bodyguard or manservant guy is just like, hmm. She slipped so suddenly. She slipped so suddenly. You had time to untie your shoes and take off your jacket. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's such a good moment. Such a good moment because you kind of think that guy might be on their side a little bit. Like he's. But he also seems to really dislike him. So I never got that he was on their side. Well, I mean, why wouldn't he have said something then? He could have easily brought that up and been like, oh, he clearly wasn't. He didn't save her. What didn't happen like that? Because look, his shoes are untied and his jacket was off. And he could have brought it up. Except that would just be calling his employer's fiance a liar that would have been bad looking on both cal and her that's fair so it's not his place to it's his way of saying like i know you guys are lying i don't know the actual story but i can't say anything see for me it always just felt like oh he's gonna be on their side and then when he's not later i was like oh yeah no switcheroo Maybe I'm the only one. Let me know if I'm the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we get that dinner scene that I want to talk about because I kind of already brought it up, but Rose's mom being like, Jack, what do you do? And he gives this like really great impassioned speech about how great life can be when you don't know what's going to happen every day. You get to be spontaneous. You get to just do you and Mm -hmm. live the life you want to live. And that's, I think, a great Leo moment. Yeah where you can see a great actor blossoming before your eyes because it's moving. It's a moving speech. Oh, yeah. What do you think about dinner? I I think it's a wonderful scene. I think you get to see so much about each of the characters. You really get to see why, like, once again, why Rose is really going to fall for him. Like, the fact that she's kind of, like, smirking at everything he says and she kind of rolls her eyes when she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you, Mom, for, like, calling him out at dinner. But the way he handles it is stellar. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, it's no wonder she fell for him. <laughs> it's almost like he belongs there, but, like, he kind of seems like new money. Like, he kind of understands what he has to say, mm-hmm. but because he... He says what he wants to say, but he under but he says it in a way that the rich people will understand it. Yeah, I mean, it's you even really had nuanced. one of the like really old uh, old money guys being like, "Yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> to them. <laughs> I love he's that like, line. He's like, here, here to making something. Making each day count. Yeah. 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 He's like, hell, hell. And then Cal immediately puts him in his place and he's like, I believe I make my own luck or something like that. And you're just like, damn, what a dick. Yeah. But it's great. It's, it's a great scene altogether. And I don't think really the scene right before it where... God, is that the scene right before that? Is that where Kathy Bates' character is like, we need to go get you a suit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the scene right before that is, uh, you know, Leo trying to teach Kate how to spit. Yeah, that part's weird to me, too. Uh, I think I just block that part out because I don't... It's so cringe. Yeah, it's super... Uh, I don't. Yeah, cringe. Best word I can think for it because... Yeah. It leads to a great moment later, but... Yeah, it's, it's cringe now. She spits in Cal's face. Yeah, which apparently was an improvised. She was supposed to hit him with a p- hairpin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, stab him. Yeah. Which I think the spitting works better. Yes. But also, like, did we we didn't need the spitting scene for her to be able to spit on Cal. Like, I'm pretty sure she understands what spit is. Yeah. She just doesn't understand how to, like, gear back and really get into it. I think more of that was supposed to show her choosing, like... I have fully chosen this side. I'm going to be this person yeah. now. Yeah. So. It's, yeah. yeah. Because I think, oh my God, I, this movie's so long that I think I'm like mixing up where these scenes play out because before the spitting scene, is that the drawing scene as well? Where she looks at his drawing book? I believe so. Because she goes to find him to be like, to I'm going to thank you. Then yeah. he's like, you don't love Cal. And she's like, oh my God, how dare, how you? dare you? Let's look at your drawings. <laughs> I'm going to leave. Wait, I don't have to leave. This is my part of my ship, of the ship. You leave. Yeah. Mm, just kidding. I'm going to look at your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Those just don't, don't matter to me. Just getting to the dinner. I think if we would have jumped right from there to the dinner and then this stuff happened after the dinner, it kind of makes more sense to me. I don't think they needed to interact again before that dinner scene. I think it was fine. I think it was just trying to add to their chemistry and like really no, show no, off take, why she's yeah, gonna take chase those him scenes and just put them after dinner eh. after dinner is where they go dancing you think she'd go trusting him and go dancing with him if she was still we, again, on a like edgy basis but you're missing what i'm saying just move those scenes and then the dance scene still comes later it just doesn't come right after dinner I, I will disagree with you. Right, I think they're fine. In I don't the order know. That it's in. just, it seems a little unevenly paced there. Mm-hmm. Saves her life, gets invited to dinner. She goes to thank him. They they have that moment. Then the spitting thing. He gets his suit. He goes to the dinner. It's long winded to get to the dinner. Just get to the dinner where she could be looking at him. If, if we saw a moment of her being like, mm, what's up, Jack Dawson? When he's giving that impassioned speech. And that could have been a great moment of connection with him. Of like, ooh, that's the life I want. Having them interact before that almost takes away from her connection with him at dinner. That's what I'm trying to say. I said it badly, but that's what I'm trying to say. But then we get to, like he said, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, the party below deck. Mm -hmm. And it's great. It's just so much fun. So the dancing scene is fantastic. I love it. Uh, I think we needed more of it. Like, we get this one great moment of them partying, and this is where I finally see that they have some kind of connection, and yet, this is the only time. 
I don't think it's the only time that they show connection. I just think it's probably the best. Mm. It's probably her realizing that, like, hey, you don't have to have money to be happy. Like, at all. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I Could I use more of this? Sure. I think it was kind of a long scene to begin with. Just, oh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe because I keep intersplicing it with just shots of Billy Zane's character smoking cigars and being like, well, where is she? Yeah. I'm cool with it. I need more of it. Only thing that bothers me about it is it's gross as hell. They're like just taking other people's drinks and drinking them. She takes a cigarette out of another dude's mouth to smoke it. Stop that. That's gross. You don't know where that guy's been. I'm really interested to see if like dudes in the 1912s 1910s whatever were uh all that impressed with girls going on their tippy toes listen it's 2023 i'm impressed with it now well yeah but you like i don't know no they were impressed okay the movie said they were impressed therefore they were impressed what do you mean you gotta know the movie told you they were impressed it doesn't matter if like the average joe schmo was those guys were impressed that's who it was for okay and for jack because she she was like yo look what i can do (laughs) And he was like, sweet. Cool. Um, totally useful. All right. So they continue to hang out and they fall in love and blah, 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 blah. What else you want to talk about in their love? Because I'm kind of uh, up to here with their love story by this point in the movie. Yeah. I... And it just started. <sighs> then we get to the, the famous drawing scene of him drawing her. Scantily like clad. Girls. Yeah. Scantily clad. She's just naked. She has a necklace on. That's not scantily clad. That's naked. Okay. <laughs> it's naked. She's just flat out naked. And she's like, draw me after 12 hours of knowing each other. Yeah, why not? Okay. I mean, you saved my life. So here's here's a little pity drawing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then it seems just weird to me. That's her weird. finally deciding like, I'm I'm absolutely done with Cal. I am going all in. Here's all of me, basically. And she does it so she can leave it for Cal. Be like, now you can have us both in your... your yeah, I don't think that's why she safe. did it. Well, if she just wanted to, you know... I think that just came about. Have second. him. She does that later. So she could have just said, hey, let's, let's do it. I think she just loved his artwork and wanted to be a part of his artwork. Then why uh, leave it? I don't, don't think she leaves it in she that leaves, scene. She leaves it in that scene. She literally writes a note that says, now you can keep us both in this safe. Yeah. So she leaves the drawing in there dedicated for him, for Cal. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Then we get to the lovemaking scene. Yeah. Them Where running away from the manservant and then finding a car and going like, yay, let's. Uh, they have sex in a car. Yeah. On a boat. Great first time. In the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, this leads to one of my questions yep. because this scene is dumb. I hate this scene. Uh, I think it's unnecessary. Well, that, that answers my question that I have about this movie or this scene. That it's necessary? Yeah. Is, yeah, is this scene necessary? It doesn't add anything to this, in part, this story in particular. Like, cool, they had sex. Got it. Move on. Mm-hmm. Um, what two things bother me and i have a knit and a question about this my knit is her hand touches the the window in a way that just doesn't seem possible with the way that they were laying i don't know they could have changed positions i'm sure okay 
<laughs> the other thing that I, I have a question about, though, is Jack a virgin? I assume they both are. I no. Yes. N- no. No. Cal is not the kind of guy who's waiting. He's also not the kind of guy to go with someone who's already been taken, even if it's by him. <laughs> That makes zero sense whatsoever. It literally makes sense for it being 1912. I can't be with you because you've been deflowered by me. Yes. That makes zero sense. Yes. Zero. You had to be pure to be married. No. Yes. No. That was a huge thing. No, Cal does not care. Cal's the type of guy who does not care. He cares about everything. He cares about all the image. He cares that she was a virgin when they met. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Stop Mm -hmm. it. No. Stop it. No guy cares, even back then, if they were the first guy. Yeah. No. no. Uh, but society cared, and he cared what society said. Society so... doesn't know. In fact, there's even a there's even a, a part earlier when they're at the dinner and they're she's introducing people. Somebody else says to Cal like he did a good job, like he's got a good one or something like that, and like the smirk he gives, like there's something. But I don't care about her. That wasn't my question. My question was, is Jack a virgin? I assume so. Because he is really awkward. He is super out of breath. And seems really unsure of what just happened after it happened. Mm-hmm. He's a virgin, right? He's yeah. gotta be. I assume so. I don't know how he is. He's in, you know, he was in Paris and he looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. Drawing all those uh, prostitutes. All the naked ladies. So, I don't know. Just, it's weird. He was saving himself for the one, too. But it's also why this scene doesn't work for me. Because it's super awkward. It's super awkward in the acting. It's super awkward in its placement in the movie. This is like the midway point. It's like, oh, sex break. Well, you have to have something really positive right before everything goes to... Goes to hell? Yeah. Yeah. So, I just don't get it. Uh, what else? What that leads us to it getting struck. Yeah, 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 it does. That is a tense moment, a, a really good tense moment, because it it almost plays out in slow motion, where they see the iceberg, they're trying to change it, they're doing everything that they can to get around this iceberg, and it just slowly, you know, it's gonna hit. I mean, everyone knows it's going to hit. We had a whole summation about it earlier of being like, (laughs) here's an animated thing. Here's how it sank. One of my favorite parts of the whole movie. When he's (laughs) describing how it sank to a woman who was on the boat when it sank. Love that part. That actually leads me to a question of, why would you do that? I don't know. Why? Why? I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's such a great moment. Such a tense moment that you were like, oh, maybe this time it won't, it won't hit. It always hits, but you always think it might not. <laughs> Nobody thought it might not hit. Every time I'm like, oh, make different choices. It's honestly one of the hardest things for me about going through and watching a movie about like a real life historical thing. It's like, you know what choices they're going to make and yeah. you still want them to make other choices. Okay. Well, you might be the only one because I don't think anybody else does that. People are like, oh, it's a historical event. This is what happened. Except the fact that, uh, I'm forgetting the director's name, but he did um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's basically doing that now. Being like, this is how I want history to actually be. Yeah. 
so make a movie then. But nobody's watching a movie going, Titanic's not going to hit this time. It's called Titanic. It's You're hit hoping, the hoping. No. You know it's not going, you know it's going to hit. But every time you're like, maybe not. No. I never once, never once in my life have I watched a movie about a historical event and gone, they're not going to do it this time. No, not one time. Not one time. But yes, they do hit the iceberg. And then yes. everything goes to hell. But slowly at first. Well, yeah, because they, they might survive. They, they don't know how bad it is. It's bad. It's bad. Scientific stuff. Do you want to hear some stuff about like people who have done research on the Titanic nowadays? Sure. They say most modern ships, even like um, carriers in the U.S. Navy, couldn't survive a hit like that. Because the way that it struck that iceberg and how much damage it did would be like sticking a bunch of C4 to the side of a ship and blowing it apart. That's how bad this damage was. That modern ships, which are built in mind with stuff like that, couldn't survive what happened to that boat. That's insane. Hmm. What? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's we an iceberg. do that much. I mean, ice is hard. <laughs> I know, but I've watched ships plow through ice. That's fair. So I think it's just that it scraped along, punching various holes that... Yeah, obviously that's what killed it. That that's exactly what killed it. <laughs> if it would have punctured just like a slightly hole? less, it would have been able to survive. Yeah. So everything starts to go down, but at the same time, they get found, and Jack like gets oh. arrested. They don't get found. They they realize how bad it is, and they go to them purposefully to be like, "Hey, there's an issue." Yeah, whatever. They're found. <laughs> And they plant the diamond necklace on the heart of the ocean on Jack. So he gets arrested and sent to the brig, mm -hmm. which is just a room. <laughs> and then they're going to leave the ship. But Rose is like, no, I got to go find Jack because Cal says something of like, well, he won't be around much longer to deal with something. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, you're a monster. You're going to kill him. And it's like, no, the boat's going to kill him. It's sinking. But he's God. the reason why. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. So she has to go find him. And I always have a problem with this because she can't find him. Right? There's well, no way. She goes to find the maker of the boat. I understand To that. find Who out where says, he is. Like, this is... He doesn't know. It's not like there was a prison that he was put in. It's a room. It could have been any room. How does he know? Like, go down the hallway, take a left, take a right, take a left, go to the door. There he is. He doesn't know which room. He knows... A pr he's like... They probably put him here in this one general area. I, it doesn't make any sense. She should have never been able to find him. They both should have died in under on that level because she would have just kept walking around looking for him. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I don't like it. I don't like this whole part of the movie, this whole like journey to find him. Uh, it also makes Jack very passive in his own story at that point. I mean, because what can he do? He's, he's literally chained up. But that's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't do anything to escape. It's not his story. It's their story. It's her he's story. She's it. literally the one telling it. But she, he's part of it. He could have done something. Like, I don't know. I'll chain you to a wall. See what you can do. <laughs> like, I can break a pipe. I can kick it until it breaks. He stands there doing nothing until she arrives. He's trying to get the pipe. Now he's like, yes. ah, let me pull it a little bit. 
I mean, yeah. that is a massive pipe. Get out of here. Kick but. it. Break your own thumb. Slide your hand through the handcuff. Like, there's ways. Mm-hmm. I've seen people do it. Uh, could I do it? I don't know. I've never been in the situation, but I'm pretty sure life or death, I'd just cut my own hand off and go. The part that I really don't like around this time is the strobing effect. The lights. Because, you know, obviously the lights are going down. They're being submerged in water. Yeah. But it is just so distracting and so annoying. I have to look away every time because I'm like, oh my god, this is going to make me sick. It's too much. I don't even think I noticed. I Yeah, it's very noticeable for me and I can't stand it. I think I was too mad that she found him. That I wasn't paying attention to anything else that was happening at the time. So, all right, so she finds him. She cuts his hand off so that they can escape. Mm-hmm. I know she doesn't. She cuts the handcuffs, but it's terrible CGI in that moment. She actually completely misses, but it's fine. Then they're running through the ship, and they run into Cal, right? I think they get back up to the top, That's and Cal they... finds them, and he's they like convince Rose to get on a boat. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I will. And then she jumps off the boat. Because she sees him crying. And if you jump, I jump. Sad face. (sighs) Like reliving the Little Mermaid all over again. And I hate it. Terrible decisions by all the parties involved. (laughs) Um, So she jumps off the boat on a lower level. And she's running. And Jack runs to find her. And I hate this scene. I hate this scene so much. He grabs her and he's kissing her. But yelling at her at the same time. Calling her an idiot. And she's just like... I love you. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't actually say that, but you know. And then Cal shows up and he's pissed. Yeah, as one would be. Yep. And then he takes out a gun. Yeah, his manservant's gun. His manservant's gun to try to kill them. Yeah. If I can't have her, no one will. But nobody reacts. And I get the ships going down, but yeah. like... Everyone else has other things. You see some people in the background be like, Oh no, he's got a gun. It's like, what are you doing? You just locked this other guy up because he had a necklace in his pocket. And now you just don't care that this guy's running around with a gun firing it. Yeah. No, no care given. None whatsoever. But he realizes, oh, crap. I put the necklace in the pocket of the coat that Rose is currently wearing. Yep. And then here's where we get a deleted scene that I think should have stayed in the movie. Because later, we see that manservant guy, the, the, the assistant to Cal, mm-hmm. with a bloodied up face. Yeah. And it's like, when did that happen? In the deleted scene, he goes to chase after Rose and Jack because Cal says, if you can get that necklace back, you can keep it. So he goes after them. And Jack surprises him, lays in some good shots. They get away. That's why he's bloody. I get kind of why they took it out because test audiences were like, why is this guy all of a sudden like super money hungry and going after them like this? But I feel like it should have stayed in. Yeah, especially if you're going to show him bloody later. Yeah. uh... I mean, I guess he could have got bloody from just like hitting his head. Yeah. On something. But it would have also, again, the whole thing I said about Jack earlier in his own escape, he was passive in it. This would have gave Jack a moment as well of like, I'm also active in our our, in our escape in our being together it's not just her so i wish they would have kept it in uh if you own the dvd and stuff you can see it in the deleted scenes i think it's a good moment 
I think I'm going to have to go back and watch it. I've never actually seen oh, it. Should, there's actually a few good deleted um, scenes that you should check out. It, it actually explains a lot because this was the first time I ever noticed that we see the manservant again. That was always a question for me of like, what happened to him? Because... Oh yeah, no, he's dead. Like, he shows the gun off and he's like, I make my own luck. But Cal takes his gun, so I'm like, what happened to him? He does take his gun back in the deleted scene, though. Oh. To chase them. Well, but then he might he drops have extra it. bullets. Yeah, then he drops it when, you know. He gets whatever. punched in the face. Yep. Uh, but <laughs> I, I just noticed him because I'm like, I would not have recognized you. You have a bloody face and why would you have that now? Exactly. But it makes a lot more sense now. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it's one of those things of like, I get it. It's a three hour and 15 minute movie. You're trying to speed stuff up. And I guess test audiences were saying... The boat's already sinking. They're already trying to escape. We don't need another action piece on top of that. But listen up, test audience. You don't speak for me. <laughs> I wanted that. Yeah. Leave it in. I think it would have just added something cool to it. Like I said, Jack's a little too passive in this entire movie. He's never the aggressor, and I know it's her story. But you kind of make him a wimp and pathetic. He's he's just a survivor at this point. And he just he needs a moment to not be. Mm. So... Um, this, but they get away. Yeah, this. Then what? This whole bit, though, when the the ship is actively sinking at this point, that gets me so much because so many actors in the scene they're realizing that their death is, death is just inevitable. Like the captain, he's gonna go down with the ship. The guy who made the boat, um, whose name I can't remember right now. Wait, the guy who built it or the guy who designed the it? guy who built it. I don't know his name. The guy who designed his name. Yeah. No, the guy who built it, his name is Andrews. Yes, Andrews. Being like, I I messed up. I'm going to go down with this ship. Yep. Like, just seeing their faces and the way they, they are processing that. And even extras are doing their due diligence of being like, I am processing the fact that I'm my character or I am going to die here. Yeah. And it is so impactful and so devastating every single time that's why i say this is my cathartic movie where i watch to cry yeah is <laughs> because of that not so much like oh jack dies in the end i don't i couldn't care less honestly Shut i'm like jack. i don't care about that love story the part that gets me is when you have the old man and the old woman are cuddling as the water is rising and the mom is reading like telling a story to her two children in a bed because they couldn't get onto the deck yep like they all know they're gonna die and how they're processing that and that is just extraordinary it is to me it's so good i've not seen another movie do it to this scale it's uh it's the last like half hour of this movie is where cameron really shines mm -hmm. where he lets his story still play out but he knows the audience he knows what they're there to be a part of and that's where his focus is. Even the band members who are like, all right, boys, it's been a good time. Let's try to do whatever we're going to do. And the violinist is like, I'm, I'm just going to keep playing. playing. And all the band members come back to join him, which I, I think is a real story for it the is. Titanic that they, the band kept playing as the ship went down until mm -hmm. they could no longer play. The captain, like you said, going and standing in the... I don't know what that part of the boat's called. The part of the ship's called with the wheel. Yeah. Um, he stands in there until he goes down. Like so many great moments. And Cameron lets those moments play out. 
He doesn't rush through them. He doesn't. You get the old couple cuddling in bed, which is also based off a true story of the Strausses, who were the owners of Macy's department store, who chose to go down. I guess the real story is somewhere along the lines of like, she could have gotten on a boat, but said something along the lines of like, we've lived together this long. We're not going to live together apart. Something Mm -hmm. like that, which inspired Rose's line of wherever you go, I'll go. That's based off that. Yeah. But he let these moments breathe. And that's why I think he's such a good filmmaker a lot of times because a lot of other ones would be like quick montage. Go, 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 go. Show, 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 show. Back to the action. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. We're going to take like 10 minutes and we're going to show you this because it's going to punch you in the face and you're going to cry. And to top it all off, that's when like the score of this movie is really just pristine that's where i i literally my next note after uh the cal doesn't so cal doesn't when she jumps off the boat to go meet up with jack cal doesn't go with he just like meanders over there jack like full speed sprints to get to her and cal's like yeah whatever yeah i'll get there when i get there my next note after that though is the score is brilliant insanely it is as somber as the actual event and just does it justice although i will say one the like beginning score when yeah you know you have all the sepia tone people waving off the Mm -hmm. ship that feels very aspca commercial but it's uh purposeful yeah it Uh, it gets you as soon as that starts you're like oh no composer james horner great he he understood the assignment and he did it yeah. and he did it to the best of his abilities and it's a recurring motif in his music it you know they replay the my heart will go on um score mm-hmm. like throughout the whole movie when p- moments are going into that love romantic kind of thing it's always that same piece yet somehow it hits you differently each time it's played yeah and that's just oh my god how good oh, so good but then like the way everything picks up the way like the music is diegetic from the band, but then it becomes non-diegetic because you can still hear that music as other things are happening, but we're not near the band anymore. It's so good. And then the score is brilliant. Cuts dramatically when it's like people Everything's are just dying. Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah. Things are really going to hell now. And that's a Cameron thing. That was him going, no music, pff, get rid of it. Yeah. So yeah, then we get... He- Maybe that's when the the band died maybe uh then that's when the boat is really going down it's it's breaking in half and everything but they survive well kind of because jack is apparently all-knowing an expert on everything and can understand how to survive a ship sinking which makes me think he's been on one or two before because he knows exactly what to do in every step of the way and it's one of the most unbelievable things about this movie he's like all right rose we got to go this way they're trapped down in the lower levels trying to get back to the surface to get on a boat and he's like got to go down that corridor it's like he's lived on this boat his entire life and it's only been like a day and a half yeah makes no sense whatsoever i think it's more of his confidence level like He's just saying whatever comes to his mind, but the way he's saying is like, I knew what to do all along. But it works. Yeah. Well. So he did know. Not every time. What doesn't work? 
there are several times he brings them to a, a end, well, like a dead end, or this thing is blocked or that thing is blocked. Yeah, but he didn't know it was going to be blocked. Exactly. So it's just, it's super weird, especially when these like, all right, climb over the railing. And they climb to the back of the boat, the boat that's sticking straight up in the air at this point, the ass end of this boat, and it's about to go down. And he's like, all right, just hang on tight. I'm going to tell you when to take a deep breath. And then as soon as you get in, you got to just get your bearing and go up. Mm -hmm. And it was like, what? I understand that's like common knowledge for the most part, but he says it in a way like it's, huh, I've been here. Trust me. Who knows? Maybe he has been on a was he on a different before. boat that sank? Is that like he got to he was stranded in Europe because the boat he came over on sank? Could be. I don't know. It's just Can super be. weird. I hate it. Yeah, it really makes very little sense that he knows exactly what's gonna happen, but at the same progress. time. You gotta yeah. progress the story somehow. Yeah. Then they go into the water. And this is where the real to me anyway, the real tragedy hits you yeah because rose comes up to the surface and she's got a life vest on which not everybody got to have one Mm -hmm. and some guys like grabbing onto her to try to like keep himself afloat but like shoving her under people are screaming and crying and flapping chaos and you're like okay that's probably what really happened oh yeah that's tough. That's a tough watch part for me. Especially when it starts getting quieter. Yes. And it's like you hear all the crying. Like they they go back to the boats every couple of moments. And eventually you just see uh, Rose's mom like covering her ears. Because I'm sure that... The screaming is just... Yeah. The screaming, the crying, the pleading. Like, please come help us like Mm -hmm. something and that's when we get that a wonderful moment with kathy bates being like we need to go back and then basically calling everybody cowards for not wanting to yeah and then and her only sitting down because they threaten her life yeah sit down or we'll throw you off the boat yeah it's a great moment it's 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 a heart-wrenching gut punch moment but cameron does it well he knew exactly what he needed to do to get you to react to that moment and he does it to a t Oh, yeah. And but what's then, worse is when... Or are you going to talk about the, the... I was going to go jump ahead, so go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, then they find a floating piece of debris. Mm-hmm. Rose climbs up onto it. Jack tries. He falls off. They realize that it's not possible for them to both be on this. So he stays in the water. And she survives. Yeah. Sacrifice. And he knows it, too. Kind of meaningless to me. I don't really care about it it might just be me but from the moment they met even the first time i saw the movie from the moment they met i was like he's not gonna survive sorry no. i know we kind of know because of the prologue the freaking forever and a day prologue mm-hmm. but i don't know again the character of jack as a whole just bothers me because i know it's her story but she makes him out to be this this, this prince charming yep who has no real drive uh, as a person yeah he's just existing he just exists and by this point his entire existence is basically to make sure she survives well this is her story i know it's just it doesn't work for me 
So, like, him dying, I felt nothing. I'm sure I felt something, like, the first time I watched it. Since then, I'm just like, bye, Jack. I'm never gonna let go. Oh, I let go. Uh, I Mm. love that part. And I get, like, it's... It's not actually meaning to, like, like, physically let go. I'm not gonna rip your hand off and carry it with me forever. But it's just a really funny... You could have put those moments... A little further apart. Yeah. All right, what did you want to bring up? Uh, When they bring the boat back. Oh, yeah, okay, let's go. Uh, Because that is dramatic especially when you see a character that we saw previously uh, a mom and her baby they come up and they talk to the captain like captain where should i go and you see them in the water and they're frozen and it is just that kind of gut punch and you see it on the the sailor's face it's like we waited too long the sailors (sighs) once again a great side character with some really great acting Mm -hmm. because he doesn't look down in that moment like the other guys are pushing people out of the way but the guy who like told them let's go bring the boat back and look for survivors yeah he's calling out you don't see him look down because he can't bring himself to like see that carnage except for prevented to look at the mom and the baby once he sees that that's what i'm saying eyes up he just he won't look down because he can't bring himself to do it and it's such a great small moment Mm -hmm. yeah love it I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, but then Rose whistles, and they go, and they save her, put her on the boat, bring her to another ship, the Carpathia. She sees Cal looking around. I don't know what he's looking for. Her. He's looking for her. It's weird, though, because for all he knows, she's dead. Yeah, but he's still gonna look, just in case. Yeah, but, I mean, he didn't look very hard. No. He, like, walked around, like, two feet of the ship and was like, nah, she's gone. Yeah. I don't even think, to be honest, though, I'm going to tell you. I don't think he was looking for her. What was he looking for, then? The necklace. If he found her, it wouldn't have mattered. He wanted that necklace. Oh, yeah, no. He was only looking for the necklace, but he was looking for her who would have had the necklace. Yeah. Or somebody who would have found the jacket or you know, mm-hmm. something. And that's it. That's Then we go back to modern times where the woman who plays Old Rose is finishing up the story. They're like, oh, my God, thank you for telling us. I literally only focused about the heart of the diamond or heart of the diamond heart of the ocean for this long. I never even stopped to think of what happened here. Yep. Oh, that's a good moment. That's Bill Paxton. I believe is the Mm -hmm. actor in that moment. He's, he's so good. He's so believable. I think the first time I saw this, I was like, is that a real Titanic person? Like, is he really studying it? Because he just came across as like, that's the kind of guy. Yeah. He'd be doing this. Yeah. So good. And then we get this dumbass moment. At the very end of the movie, she walks to the edge of the ship and throws the necklace away. Yeah. 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 Why? Why would you do such a thing, you dumbass? It bothers me. It bothers me so much. Like, I don't know what that ending is, like, who it's for, what Cameron was exactly trying to say in that moment, because... Regardless of the connection to the necklace and Cal, the necklace is more important to you because you say at the beginning of the movie, I only wore it one time for that drawing. Meaning this necklace means something to you. It is your last connection to Jack. Yeah. Why are you throwing it away? Yeah. You don't think your your daughter or your granddaughter or your other family would have wanted that? You could have set them up for generations. 
but you're selfish. Yeah. And I also just, it's not even just like, oh, throw it away because I don't want anybody else to have it. That's still your connection. You're not dead. Why are you throwing it away? Well. Is that where it belongs? Well. Well. Let, let's have a chat. Yeah, let's have a chat. Uh, in my mind, I'm going to see what you think. Was she planning to die when she went to that second ship? No. I think she was. I think she was planning to die warm in her bed, surrounded by all of her pictures and everything. Like, she brought everything with. She was planning to die there. She wanted to die there. Wanting to is different than planning to. Do I think she was like, this would be the perfect ending? Yes. But I don't think she was, like, planning on it, like, I'm going to set it up so I make sure I die there. Uh, How do you, you can't do that. We like, all right, my story's over. Good night. It just—it's just such a stupid moment. Like, mm-hmm. it's gonna end up in a museum. Like, it's not like somebody's gonna get rich. It's not like Cal's family's gonna be like, "We own that." Like, his ancestors are gonna be like, or not ancestors, but his new descendants. Descendants are gonna be like, "We own that. That's ours." Like, it came from the ship. It's gonna end up in a museum. People are gonna be able to see it. This, this your story and Jack's story could continue. Why do you want that to end? Yeah, I be can't like, get past you. It. You can have this to display. But it has to go along with our story. Right, like, that's exactly it, is you recorded this entire story. Do you know how cool it would be to go to a museum, walk up to a piece, and be able to hear the story about that piece? Museums do it a lot nowadays. You get those, like, audio tours that tell you about things. If you could get the voice of the person who owned that necklace telling you the story of it and display it next to the the drawing, Mm -hmm. oh, you robbed the entire world because you're selfish, you old, old... Ugh. But can we talk about the fact that that should never have happened? What do you mean? There is no way in heck that necklace stayed in her pocket during that entire sinking of that ship. No. No way in heck. Well, I don't know. It was a male pocket, which are really deep. Still. Females wouldn't know about this, but male pockets are, like, super deep. You guys don't have pockets, but, Still. like... Ours are really deep, so it could have gotten tangled in something and, like, stayed in there. I don't know. I doubt um, it. She was being flipped over. She jumped into water yeah. a couple of times. Like, no way in heck that necklace survived. Unless she purposefully held on to it. But she looks... We get a flashback of her noticing that it's in the pocket. Like, realizing where it is. But that, maybe, that's what's there. Maybe she was checking that pocket to make sure it was still there. Mm. I don't know. Mm. things to think about yeah and that's it that's the end of the movie yeah um there's another deleted scene that's really good here where she lets bill paxton's character i think it's bill paxton's character uh hold it she shows that she has it and he gets to hold it and then she takes away and throws it overboard Mm. um cameron cut it because he felt like it took away from her closure and her moment yeah somebody else be there but again, it's something I think is really interesting because it's the idea of her story transcending everything. The whole point of bringing her out there was to find out where this heart of the ocean is. Yeah. Then he gets the whole story. If he gets his hand on the necklace but chooses to let her throw it overboard to get the closure, that means that story is an emotional, impactful story for the people hearing it. Yeah. I think it's just another little great thing that could have added a layer that we needed yeah but then we all would have been like why didn't you stop her 
because he understands. He understands what needs to happen in that moment. I guess. So, all right. Here's a nitpick of mine. Yeah. The charcoal drawing of Rose is pristine when they take it out of the thing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's been paper that has been found from the actual Titanic wreckage that you can still read and is still legible in some ways. There's parts of it that are missing and everything. But the fact that it was bound in a leather book inside of an airtight safe, yeah, it's going to be able to survive. Kind of. It's a little too intact for me. Mm -hmm. And when they're trying to clean it off, they're spraying it with a high-powered hose, which is also not making anything run. Then Bill Paxton's character rubs his hand, his thumb, across the date. The 19... The April 14th, yeah. 1912 date. He rubs his thumb across it and there's no smears. This is like indestructible artwork. And it bothers yep. me. Not enough to ruin the movie, but definitely bothers me. It is definitely a, definitely a moment. What's uh, you got? Them celebrating before opening up the... Uh, safe. Safe. You know, uh, like pre-celebration. You'd be on one of those YouTube videos of like, these are... Dumb people who celebrated too early. Yeah. 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 Oh, bad. Um, that's that's it. Uh, my last knit is the fact that they know each other for like two days. My last knit is she forgoes her entire family to be with Jack in the afterlife. I knew you were going to bring that up and that's why I didn't bring it up. I don't think so. First of all, we don't know what the afterlife is. Secondly, we only get a glimpse of that it's yeah. possible that right after that moment she's with her regular family so let's not think she just immediately forgoes all of them mm-hmm. and here's my real thing and it, it, i think this is a theory I, I don't know if this is a theory i i kind of thought of myself or if i've seen bits and pieces and put stuff together i, I don't know where it came from and i'm not going to claim that it's mine yeah. i'm just going to say i know this thing and it sounds plausible she thinks she should have died on the titanic mm-hmm so what does she do when she dies? Goes back to the moment that her life should have ended. Because all the people that she's there with, including Jack, are all the ones who died. On the Titanic, yeah. So it has nothing to do with her other family, with whatever. It's the moment she thought her life should have been over. And she goes back to be with them one last time. And then, like I said, it's possible that she then goes and sees her other family and all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, I do have one more nit. I lied. Uh, Jack's a homewrecker and nobody talks about it. That is true. He knows she's engaged. He could have walked away. But he literally, the first time they talk after the uh, taking her life attempt, he's like, oh, you don't love your fiance. Why? But dude, back off. He asks. He's like, oh, do you love him? It's very accusatory. Oh, yeah. Well. So he needs to back the hell off. Right. That's fair. Home record. <laughs> but everybody's like, oh, he's so adorable, so it doesn't matter. Listen, mm-hmm. it always matters. It doesn't matter how adorable they are. Questions? I know we've asked a few, but I got some more. I actually asked all of mine. I did not. I got uh, quite a few th- things still. Do you subscribe to the theory that Rose has been dead? No. Yeah, me either. So, I, I we we get, get some of Jack before he's on the boat, like, so clearly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, is this the greatest song from a movie ever? My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Is that the greatest movie song ever? Most well-known, yes. Actually, greatest? I'm not sure. 
well, what's your criteria for greatest? Is it the most well-known, technically the greatest then? Because everybody knows it. It was good enough for everybody to hear it. That could be, I don't know. I just, it's a really, it's, it's a good song, but it's also a really boring song at the same time. And so it's like, eh, is it really well-known? Yes. Is it the best? I'm not sure. So, yeah, I don't know either. Uh, I think it's up there. I think it's like top five. Yeah. Probably greatest movie songs of all time. Uh, and not not songs from the movie as in like a musical. Yeah. Like it has to be a soundtrack song. Uh, interesting story about that. Cameron didn't want any lyrics in any of the music. So James Horner actually went to Celine Dion and had her record it without Cameron's knowledge. <laughs> Then brought it to him and he said, oh, you know, that's fine. And Corner was like, oh, it was sung by Celine Dion. And he was like, oh, she's oh. big right now, right? And Horner was like, yeah, she is. And he was like, cool. And then he added it in. Best decision he made? Maybe. I mean, I think without that song, it's one of those things of like Encanto from 2021, I think is when Encanto came out. I think so. 2022, maybe. Mm. No, 2021, for sure. Yeah. But would the movie have been as big without We Don't Talk About Bruno? Probably not. Kind of like Frozen with uh, Let It Go. Exactly. Did My Heart Will Go On actually help this movie become as big as it is? Because definitely hearing the song and then connecting it? Definitely. I mean, I literally watched it to to do this podcast and I've had the song stuck in my head <laughs> ever since then. Yeah. It's so, been a few days. Very interesting. Uh, a couple more things. Do you keep the stone? If you are old Rose, do you keep the stone? I'd probably keep the stone. What do you do with it? I'd probably give it to the museum. I'd be like, mm -hmm. you, I've told you the whole story. You guys seem to care more about the story now than it. Let, let it be there. You're, let my story live on. You're actually very close to, to what I think as well. I think I keep the stone. Mm -hmm. I think I give it to Bill Paxton's character. And I let him decide what to do with it. Now knowing the story. And kind of go, I don't need this anymore since I've now told somebody the story. Yeah. And knows Jack was a person. Here's the stone you've been looking for. I hope you do the right thing with it. Yeah. And let him decide. Because it might be cool too to see her, her closure was telling somebody the story. His closure could be him tossing the, the necklace overboard. Yeah. And being like, this isn't what we came here. We came for that story. Yeah. So I think I keep it, but I give it to him and let him kind of decide. Mm -hmm. So uh, the last one is a theory I thought of while actually getting ready for this podcast and going through all my notes and everything like that. Do you believe old Rose? Do you believe her story? I believe it to an extent, like unreliable narrator after being that long. Okay. But I think the main bit of it is true so here's my theory let me posit this to you mm -hmm. earlier in the movie when rose first calls and is going to be brought to the ship bill paxton's secondhand man is like she's an actress she's playing you yeah and his whole thing is well she knows about this the necklace so bring her here yeah but then they have a conversation and they find out that the necklace was like where the necklace was purchased and all she knows all this stuff mm -hmm. what's to say she couldn't have gotten that information and the, the same way they did the same way they did and purchased this stone she is a famous actress 
possible she could have gotten her hands on the stone at some other time and none of it is true and she just wanted to go out being like i told a great story i'm a great actress kind of thing and none of it's true it's possible i just don't think it's likely i mean i don't think people in that era would be willing to like make light of the titanic sinking to give themselves clout listen people will tell you today that they were at 9 11 they weren't hell there was uh i don't remember his name but there was a famous like cnn uh war or host or somebody some kind of reporter who said that when he was overseas during a war his helicopter was shot down and people were like oh my god and you survived and it helped him get to where he is only then to be revealed yeah no that never happened he made the entire story up yeah so i wouldn't put it past somebody she would have had to do a lot of research to to make this happen but how she made up an entire story they can find out that rose dewitt was on that ship like she she would have had to know a lot of things she yeah but rose decatur died on the ship well because she changed her name at the end exactly i don't know i'm just saying it's plausible that she could have just made the whole thing up it's plausible i just don't think it's likely fair hot takes I, I don't i feel like my hot takes are pretty much everyone's hot takes my hot take is rose mm. should have stayed with cal period no jack was not worth it and she ruined her entire family with that decision she ruined her mom that's it that's her entire family is it not until she makes a new family but no 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 she ruined everything she had a she, wonderful life she should have stayed with she had a wonderful life because she felt like she needed to, to do it all for Jack. Stop it. She could have had a better life if she would have just stayed with Cal. Or she would have been a widow when he took his life after the crash. Like, do we not remember that that's a whole thing that happens with him later? Great. And then she gets all his money and can go be the feminist. She, she had no money. He had no money at that point. That's why he did it. She has the necklace. She might not have had the necklace at that point. It <sighs> she should have stayed with Cal. All right, awards. Yeah. Let's finish this up strong. Ready? Yep. Psycho shower scene. Mm-hmm. Your most iconic scene. What do you got? I have holding Rose up at the beginning, uh, at the front of the ship. I'm flying, Jack. <sighs> of course you do. I think it's the most iconic scene. No, your most iconic scene, not the most iconic scene. For me, then, it's the, the old man and the old woman cuddling as the water's rising. There you go. That's a good scene. I like it. It's sad as hell. It is. Uh, my Ooh. most iconic scene is where Rose goes up on her tippy toes during the party. Really? I love that part. I don't know why. It's I love fair. that these guys are arm wrestling and like, I'm so tough. And she's like, you don't know what tough is. Literally, hold my beer. Yep. And <laughs> then she goes up on her toes. And the way those extras all react and like their faces and then Jack being like, whoa, I love it. It's such a good moment. It's so good. Talk about unreliable narrator. Who? They did not care for that. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. (laughs) But in the movie, they do. And I love it. Yeah. Uh, Next up is the life uh, finds a way award Mm -hmm. for your most iconic line. I gotta go with I'm king of the world. It's the line that I think of 
instantly when I think about this movie. In yeah. fact, I think I've stood on ball, like a fence and did it because, you know, that's what you do. <laughs> we all have. We all have. That's a great pick. It's actually my number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my number one watching it this time, a different line hit me harder. Yeah. And I'll remember now. And it's when the boat is going down and Rose runs into Andrews, who says, I'm sorry I didn't build you a stronger ship my young rose yeah and in that moment he's setting the clock so that the clock will stop at the time the ship is going down and he's preparing to die and it's just and it's a callback to earlier when he says i built you a strong ship she can withstand anything yeah and then it can't and he made a promise to her and he broke it oh just gets me the part with him earlier gets me too, where he's like, remember what I told you about the lifeboats, Rose? That there's only half, only half the people will get off this ship. Yeah. Get to a lifeboat. Yeah. It's, it's a great moment. It's a great moment. Um, next up is the Han Shot First Award for the thing that holds up the worst. For me, it's the animated people. Whenever you see anyone who's animated, like they do the like high up shots. Yeah they look almost black and white <laughs> it's it's so noticeable and so like oh god I, you had me and you lost me yeah the cgi is not always the best in this yeah. movie and especially when you go against the like practical effects you're like oh, that looks so good oh yeah. he built an that? entire ship and then cgi a really poor ship yeah. yeah mine goes to the romance i think as i get older watching this movie multiple times every time i watch it i just find more flaws in it more reasons to dislike it mm-hmm. i think the idea of like that young carefree romance works when you're young and carefree but as you age you're like same thing with little mermaid of yeah like, just listen to your dad shut up you don't know what the hell you're talking about and that's what i feel like <laughs> yeah. watching this movie now i'm just like you're all making terrible decisions don't do that yeah last award is the Paul Rudd Award for the thing that held up the best because Paul Rudd never ages. Yes. What do you got? The practical effects. <laughs> the the them getting to actually move around a ship or parts of a ship, a ship and it sinking like almost underneath them. What they could do practically looked beautiful. And it oh, yeah. really had you in this moment. It keeps you invested in it because it just looks so real. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I'm right there with you. Uh, my thing that holds up the best is the scale of this movie Mm -hmm. because of the care and love put into making things practical and bringing things to life. You can't beat it. That's how filmmaking is just, that's how it's done. Yeah. And then to have this man be the same guy who goes on to do Avatar in 2009 and change the way computers are used to make movies. And you're just like damn all right you changed the business twice and this one is just i still love practical i watch movies nowadays and i'll point out and be like that was practical that looks really good we watched jurassic world dominion Mm -hmm. and there were parts where i was like that dinosaur looks like crap and then i fell in love with dinosaurs all over again when they use the practical stuff yeah and so and the fact that he built like half the titanic so that they could do it is just mind-boggling you this movie will always hold up when it comes to the CGI or when it comes to the visuals because of how much practical stuff used. Yes. 
decision. Oh, I have one more thing I would like to add here. Okay. And it is the fact that James Cameron wrote this movie, directed this movie, shot this movie, edited this movie. Like, he's a one-man wrecking crew. And he did it all. And I know he gets a lot of praise, but I would just like to praise him a little bit here. And just say he is one of the best filmmakers of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Avatar, as you know if you've listened to our other podcasts, but I understand what this man brings to making film. Yeah. You've learned to not question him. I don't question him, and this was the start of not questioning him. Yeah. So, yep. Final decisions? Do you want to go first, or no, shall please, I? Go ahead. Okay. I love this movie. I, I both love this movie and I hate this movie. I think this movie is way too long. I think it's two movies smashed together. But at the end of the day, I love this movie. And to me, it will always hold up. It It is done so well practically. It is a story that someone is going to take something out of, whether it's from the beginning, from the end, from all of it. I found new things with this movie. And this is like my 10th time watching this movie and I've seen new things and I got new things from it. I had new emotions happen because of watching this movie. And to me, that means it will always hold up. I I think it's, I think it's golden. <laughs> what about you? I like a lot about this movie. Um, I think it does a lot of things well. I think it does a lot of things poorly. At the end of the day, I'm going to say this movie does not hold up. And that's mostly because of the romance. I think it focuses, I know that's the core of the story, but that's the stuff that doesn't work for me in this movie, mm-hmm. is everything about them. And when that's making up 70% of your movie, I just can't get into it. I love the scale of everything. There are moments where I'm like, God, this movie's so good. And I'm just bored for the next 20 minutes. And then I'm like, oh, that was a good moment. And then I'm bored again. It's too long. It's overly done. It's too reliant on, well, don't, don't, don't focus on that. Look at this. <laughs> yeah. I, that's it. I just don't think it holds up for that reason. I think it's going to be a movie that people will continue to watch for the next 50 years. But for me, uh, if I never watch it again, thumbs up. Don't need to. Oof. I'm good. Okay. All right. That's it. Sorry if this episode ran a little long. It's a long movie and there was a lot to talk about. Uh, Until next time, keep watching movies. Bye.